Hey everybody, welcome to another inspiring message recorded live at Eagles Nest Church. We believe that what you're about to hear will encourage your soul, enrich your spirit, and expand the vision God has for your life. Now get ready to soar with today's special guest speaker. I am honored to stand in Pastor Lee's place. Thank you. Pastor Lee is one of the finest senior pastors I've ever had the pleasure of serving with. So God bless you, man of God. Let's give God thanks for him. Amen. Last week, he kicked off an exciting new series called Horizontal Habits, Understanding Our Relationships with One Another. And he talked about being created uh, for community. And being created for community, he used 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27, to talk about the body of Christ and all the different members in the body. And we're all part of that. So today, we're going to keep going with part number two. But before we do that, I want to pray for a moment. Would you join with me in prayer? Father, we thank you so much for all that you have done for us. We love you, we honor you, bless you. In fact, as the praise team said, we ask that the Holy Spirit fall fresh on us, that your kingdom will come, that your will will be done. We love you, we honor you, we bless you. In Jesus' name we pray and thank you. Amen. Amen. Anybody excited about the Word of God today? Come on, let's give God thanks for His Word. Amen. You know, so today I want you to join me in the Gospel of John, chapter 13, verses 34 through 35. We'll be looking at the NIV translation, so you can join us either on the screen or with your app or on our on the church's app, because we have an awesome app, and I would encourage you to download it if you have not today. So let's look at John 13, verse 34 through 35. It reads, a new command, we're going to come back to that, that I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So today for part two of Horizontal Habits, we want to talk from the subject created to love, created to love. You know, in today's world, like you and, and myself, a lot of people misuse the word love. You know, I'm, I'm just as guilty as the next person. I'll talk about loving sports. You know, growing up, I, my favorite sport was basketball. But I also played baseball and tennis and pick up football as well. And my siblings used to tease me all the time, saying, man, you really do love sports. And I'd affirm their, their uh, statement, but I'd also try to urge them to play with us because we had enough kids when everybody was at home, we had enough to have a softball team. I don't know about you, but we did, and it was awesome. But you know what? I also know that multiple times I've talked about loving professional or collegiate football or, or basketball, and I love to watch all of these things happening. 
In fact, the college football season already kicked off, as Pastor Lee uh, mentioned earlier, but also the NFL kicks off on September 6th. But I think one of my greatest exaggerations or misuse of the word love comes when I'm talking about dessert. <laughs> can, can anybody else relate <laughs> with me? Yeah, come on, tell the truth, shame the devil. <laughs> especially warm desserts. So when you're talking about freshly baked chocolate chip cookies with walnuts in it, yeah, 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 I I love the chocolate cake. Upside down pineapple cake, fresh out the oven. I don't like to cool it off. And don't you dare give me a piece of cake that you have put in the refrigerator. No, don't want it. Amen. But what about uh, German chocolate cake? Yeah, yeah, so I'm here. But but I like desserts. I like all types of desserts except fruitcake. Now, let let me just give you some advice here. If you you get a fruitcake in one of those tins, you know, they were round, they're oblong, and even if it's got the seal on it, don't open it up. Because it has likely been passed around at least two to three years before it gets to you. Okay, so stay away from the fruit cake. But if you are talking about peach cobbler, ooh, I need to testify in here. If you're talking about peach cobbler, the only word that I can come up to describe my feelings for it is love. I love me some peach cobbler. But see, here's the problem. If we're not careful, we will also misuse the word love in the church. We will, and sometimes we do. So it's really important for me to quickly show you the three Greek words for love in the New Testament. Let's take a look. Phileo, friendship love, where again, the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia, they took uh, named their city using that root word. Eros, when my brother Marvin Gaye would talk about exotic love, when he'd say, well, I've been really trying, baby, <laughs> trying to hold back this feeling for so long. <laughs> You'll know why I'm singing. And if you feel like I feel, baby, come on. Oh, come on. All right, all right. Uh, let, me, let me take that spirit off. That's the wrong audience, I'm sorry. <laughs> but in the scripture that we read earlier, I'm sorry, in agape love, don't forget agape, because it's the most important love. It is the God type of love, the unconditional love. And in the scripture that I read earlier, he's not talking, Jesus is not talking about phileo love. He's not talking about eros love. He's talking about unconditional love. And he is not gently asking us to love one another. He's actually commanding us to love one another. And I'm not talking about with just words. I'm talking about in deeds as well. So let's look at that scripture just one more time. John 13, 34 through 35. A new commandment. It's new 
because Jesus is saying, follow my example. I give you. Love one another. He does not give us an option. As I have loved you, he gives us the example to follow. So you must love one another. By this, somebody say by this. Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Let me see if I can explain that for you. So you don't have to walk into your workplace tomorrow with that big old coffee table Bible to let people know that you're a Christian. But you can demonstrate it by your love and the way that you walk and the way that you talk. But if we're not careful, we may try to fulfill this command through religious rituals or activities rather, through, rather than through our relationship with God through Jesus Christ being lived out in us. So we got to be careful not to be religious about it, but be relational about it. What do you mean, Elder Andre? Let me break it down for you. Religious rituals, people talk about love. See the air quotes. Relationally motivated people seek to demonstrate love. That's the difference. So I know what you're saying. Now, Elder Andre, you just do not understand my family, my friends, my neighbors, my co-workers, uh, my community. You, you're talking about loving all of these people as Christ loved us. Are you serious? Jesus really expects this of us? And you just don't know. You don't know my family. I'm having enough trouble liking them, let alone loving them. Anybody testifying here that you got some friends and family that you are trying to like so that you can love them? But let me help you. Since we are on Communion Sunday, I want you to see what demonstrated love really looks like. Let's look at Romans 5.8. But God, anybody got a but God in your spirit today? He demonstrates, he puts it on display, his own love for us in while we were still sinners. Yeah, while you were still doing that thing that just ran to your mind, Christ died for us. That is how we must demonstrate love by dying to our own will and not trying to fulfill our will other than helping others. So here's the truth. This scripture clearly tells us that we were not likable nor lovable but God by his sacrificial death on the cross by his resurrection from the dead, by his ascension back to heaven, by his promise to come back to get his church. But God, while you and I were still unworthy, we, we, we didn't deserve the breath that was in our body, but God, in his mercy and in his grace, he allowed us to be here today. So you may be saying, Elder, I, I know that this is a command from Jesus Christ, but how can I implement this in my everyday life? That seems to be overwhelming. Well, I'm glad you asked that question because I have an answer for you from the Bible. In Philippians 2, verse 1 through 5, the Apostle Paul shows us that we can love one another the way that Christ has commanded by showing genuine care for one another. 
And we're going to walk through this. In fact, there are three ways I want to show you that will ensure that we are practically demonstrating genuine love, which will lead to loving one another the way Christ has commanded us to. So you ready? All right, so the first one is be unified in Christ. Be unified in Christ. Repeat after me. I must... Be unified in Christ. So Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, let's take a look at it. He says, therefore, he was recapping what happened in chapter 1, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being what, Paul? Like-minded. That's unity. Having the same love. That's unity. Being one in the spirit. That's unity. And of one mind. And when you think about this, I want you to look at the word unity. And right in the middle of unity is the letter I. If you pull I out of the middle of unity, meaning you and I, then what we have is untied. So we want to be unified. Think about the football team again. On a professional level, they have 53 people who are suited up every single week, but they keep 16 people on the practice squad just in case someone gets hurt. But when they go out on the field, whether they're playing offense, defense, or special teams, they all have to play their unique role, but they only have one purpose. That one purpose is to be unifying our gifts so that we win the game. Amen? It's the same way in the church. We cannot be unified in Christ if we want to play roles that we're not called to play or if we prefer a different way of doing church. We must have the common purpose of being unified in Christ. And again, in the church, we have to go to the place of genuine care for God's people which will ultimately lead to loving one another if we are indeed unified. But see, being unified in purpose does not mean uniformity, meaning we're not asking you all to be the same because we're all created separately. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. As I heard, heard Amari say, we are all separate in our giftings and how God created us, but we are to unite in one purpose. And when we do that, we will end up loving one another. Amen? In fact, let me, let me help you with something. Look at this statement. We are to be unified in Christ. Why? So that God is glorified, the people are edified, meaning built up, and the devil is terrified. That's what should be happening when we are unified in Christ. God should be glorified. People are edified. The devil is terrified. When you see the devil fleeing, you know you got some unity going on in that church, in that body, in that family, because there is power in being unified in Christ. 
Can we get a God bless you? Amen right there. God, thank you for your unity right now. Second of all, not only what must we be unified in Christ, but second of all, we should be others-centered. Others-centered. Let me spend a little time here. Let's look at Philippians chapter number 2, verse 3 and 4. Do nothing. Somebody say nothing. Out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. This is going to mess up a lot of theology right here. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Wow. Think about that for a moment. In other words, what Paul is saying, beware of the unholy trinity called me, myself, and I. Let, let me pause, rewind, play that again. Beware of the unholy trinity called me, myself, and I. Remember the civil rights movement? How we were all together and people across races finally came together and demanded civil rights for everybody? And we went off and we got our rights and we went off to the suburbs and we got separated. And we became focused on ourselves. And it's okay to have goals and, and things you want for your family. There's nothing wrong with that. But we cannot forget about being unified in Christ. And secondly, equally important, being others-centered. Let me give you an example, a very personal example that I'm living through right now with my wife. Leslie and I celebrated 34 years of marriage together uh, on Friday. To God be the glory. He's still working miracles. And she's still putting up with me. But uh, she went home for Mother's Day. And when she went home, she could tell her mother was different. There was a little tension in the air, but she came home and she was worried. She actually was crying. And I said, we're going to figure out what's happening and we'll help. Well, her oncologist, my, my wife's mother's oncologist called and said, your mother has stage four metastatic cancer in five different places. So Leslie was concerned and worrying, and so was I. And we just came to the place where we're like, she's an only child. We're like, you need to be there. You must go there now. And so we ended up, she ended up having to quit her job because they would not work with her on uh, pay while she was on leave. So I said, well, you need to, might as well quit because the priority is your mother. But see, what I didn't mention is like 18 months ago, actually a little longer, almost 20 months ago, my father-in-law on Thanksgiving Day had a massive stroke on the right, and it paralyzed his whole left. So my mother-in-law had been his caregiver for 18 months, and now she is completely depending upon care herself. You never know when God is going to put you in a position where you, he's going to test you being others-centered. 
So her leaving the job, yes, it hurt our family. It hurt our finances. It did a lot of stuff to us personally. And she's been gone since May 24th. That's why you see me here alone. But that's where she needs to be. I love my father-in-law, my mother-in-law, and they need our help. So we had to put all of our dreams aside and everything that we were doing. You know, Miles is still in college, but we had to set things down for a minute so that we could esteem them greater than ourselves. You're going to face something similar one day. And the question is, will you be other-centered or will you shrink back and continue to be me-centric. Paul is calling out to us that we must be others-centered. Amen? Not only must we be unified in Christ, we must also be others-centered, but we must be like Christ. Let's look at Philippians 2, verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. You're like, Elder Andre, now come on, that, that's impossible. How, how can I have the same mindset as Christ Jesus? Well, I'm going I'm to show you because what Paul has been doing might have slipped by you. So in, in John 13, 34 through 35, Jesus was telling us it, what seemed to be a daunting task of loving one another the way he loved us. But the way Paul breaks it down in Philippians 2, verses 1 through 5, shows us that if we desire to start showing genuine care for each other, that it will lead to loving one another, and then it will lead to the mind of Christ. Let's take a look at these things that are on the screen. The first thing we need to do, again, is be unified in Christ. And when we're unified in Christ, we will be other-centered, and this helps us be like Christ, which allows us to love one another. So while it may seem to be a daunting task and something that we can't accomplish, we actually can accomplish it because the Holy Spirit of God has empowered us to be other-centered and to be unified in Christ and to do the things that we need to do to be like Christ and ultimately to love one another. Come on, give God praise right there. So I have a question for you as we prepare to close out. How many marriages could have benefited from being, giving genuine care, leading to love before they ended up separated and in divorce? I'm talking from experience of being separated. But the, the grace of God brought us back together. How many businesses would still be in place if people had been other-centered and not selfish and really came together and were unified in Christ for a common purpose. 
how many parent-child relationships would be intact and fruitful, even now that they're grown, if we had been focused more on the relational uh, genuine care rather than enforcing restraints all the time. If we don't take this serious, if we don't realize that we have been created to love, we will miss the mark of the charge that God has given us through Jesus Christ. Some of you here today may be thinking, you know, maybe I missed the mark. I would love to be able to show genuine care of Elder Andre to my family. I would love to be able to love one another as Christ has commanded us to love one another. But if that's you, then there's help today. All you've got to do is just pray. And I want you to pray along in your spirit as I pray for you. Father, we thank you right now that you have given us the opportunity to love one another as Christ has commanded us to. We know, God, that we cannot do this in our own spirit, in our own ability. We need the love of Christ. We need to be unified in Christ. We need to be other-centered. We need, God, to be like Christ, but we know we can't do it in our own spirit. So, God, in regards to families, help us be centered on one purpose and not have multiple competing goals. Help us, God, to always come back to being other-centered when there's a disagreement. Help us even in our workplaces, our businesses, God, to understand that unity in Christ can solve the multitude of issues. Help us, God, to realize that we are to have the mind of Christ as we operate in the world today, and that it is possible by the Holy Spirit living deep down on the inside of us. So help us, God, put aside our selfishness. It's not that there's anything wrong with us having goals, but you have commanded us and shown us that we are not to be vainly conceited, but we are to be others-centered. We thank you and we bless you for that in Jesus' name. Let every heart say amen. Or maybe you're here at the place where you have not accepted Christ as your Savior and Lord. And that's the first step to being unified in Christ, is receiving the free gift of salvation the gospel message is that Jesus came to earth to die for us, to cover our sins, past, present, and future. And you can receive that gift. It is a gift of salvation. And you can open it up right now, but you must first receive it. Would you repeat after me, Heavenly Father, I desire a relationship with Jesus Christ. Help me to release my past, to release my problems, to release my predicaments, and to understand that I need a Savior. Jesus, I want you 
to come into my life. Be my Savior and my Lord. And God, cleanse me so that I can live a life that is pleasing to you. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Come on, let's give God praise. Welcome back. We hope you were blessed by today's message. If you'd like more information about Pastor Lee or Eagles Nest Church, visit our website at eaglesnestchurch.org. That's all one word, eaglesnestchurch.org. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay connected with us throughout the week. If you're ever in the Atlanta area, we'd love for you to worship with us on Sundays at 9 or 11 a.m. in Roswell, Georgia. Until next time, Eagles. Eagles.